we're talking, we're still on um, friendship. We're talking about, you know, last week we talked a little bit about loneliness and depression. We'll touch on that a little bit. But this week we're talking about being never alone. We're talking about being better together this week. Last week was never alone and we saw that God was with us and that we were actually created and designed to be in relationship with each other. God created it that way. You know, if you remember, I shared just for those of you who weren't here last week, I said God from the very beginning ordained us to be in relationship with other people, which is such an interesting thought because God created man to be in relationship with him and then right from the beginning said it is not good for man to be alone. And so right from the beginning, shared relationship was all part of God's plan with us. And, and I want to just tell you that this morning, you know, I had a, a bit of a, a vision this morning as we, as we were preparing and, and Kathy prayed over me. But, you know, we sing that song, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. I love the song. It's such a great song. But the Holy Spirit in the middle of that song was like, Matt, I was here welcoming people as they walked in the door this morning. And he was like, I couldn't wait for you guys to show up this morning. And, and the Holy Spirit showed me a picture of smiling and greeting people as they walked into the church this morning. And just that, you know, he, he said this to me very clearly. He said, Matt, these people are here to meet with me. They're here to meet with me, and, and I want to meet with them. And I want them to know how much I care for them, how much I love them. I want them to go home knowing that they're mine. And, and I just thought that was such a beautiful image of just... You know, we, we think that there's something we can stir up or do to bring the Holy Spirit, in, but he's already here. Yeah. He's already here. And, and really what worship does in these things is it, it, it helps us take our eyes off of our situations, the things that we're going through in our world, you know, the places that we find ourselves before we get to church and get our eyes on him, right? And so the Holy Spirit, I'm telling you, wants to do something amazing in somebody's life today. I just really believe that. And I strongly think that, you know, don't leave this place without meeting with him, okay? So last week I shared about the epidemic of loneliness that our culture is facing, and it is an epidemic, you guys. Uh, this is being talked about all over the world, not just by, you know, pastors, but also by uh, everyone. The governments are talking about this. Political science is talking about this. It's being talked about in our schools. It's being talked about everywhere we look. It is an epidemic, and people are really struggling. People are feeling alone. And we looked last week at the prophet Elijah talking about, you know, loneliness doesn't just affect, you know, young people. Loneliness doesn't just affect elderly people. It affects anyone. It doesn't, you know, take care, or doesn't look at, you know, your social status. It doesn't look at your bank account. Loneliness doesn't look at any of those things. It can hit anyone at any certain time. And just to sort of to say, you know, what we talked about last week, Listen to, listen to this interesting quote that I heard from Dr. Dean Ornish. Don't know the guy? Found this quote, and I thought it was amazing. He's a world-renowned physician and a New York Times bestseller. He focuses on this topic of loneliness. And it's interesting. He says, I am not aware of any other factor in medicine besides intimacy and love. Not diet, not smoking, not exercise, not stress, not genetics, not drugs, not surgery that has a greater impact on our quality of life, incidence of illness, and premature death of all causes. He is saying, I do this for a living. This is what I specialize in. This is my focus. And there is nothing greater, either detrimental or to our health benefit, than being in intimacy and walking in love. Isn't that amazing? 
It's so crazy just to think that. You know, there was 148 studies showing us that loneliness damages our bodies, causing us to enter into premature death. Like this is, it really is something that we're, we're focusing on. And, and I thought it was interesting, some of the facts they put out, it's the equivalent to smoking 15 cigarettes a day for your whole life. That's what loneliness is like. That's what it's doing. This is the studies that people are finding and what is happening to our bodies. It's, it, it's, it's, it's worse than being a lifelong alcoholic. I thought that was just un, unbelievable. Um, it, it's, it's two times worse than obesity is what studies are finding. Loneliness is a real epidemic. It, it's not good. You know, to put it simply, loneliness is killing our, our generation. It's killing our society. And so God has a plan and God has created something for each one of us so that we don't have to walk in that anymore. Amen? We don't, God doesn't want any lonely people in his church. God was here to meet with you this morning. God is here to, to minister to you, to minister to your hearts, and he's placed people in this room for you to be amazing friends with, okay? You know, I, we realized last week, you know, sadly, loneliness, it affects a lot of people. And, and I was so moved, and I was so blessed, and so many of us were, to just see how so many people responded last week to the Holy Spirit. You know, I, I had a lot of compliments, great message, and, and this and that, and I, I thought, you know, for part of the week I was like man I'm really somebody and and then you know as I always do I realized that it wasn't me it's the Holy Spirit speaking through me you know our whole job up here our whole reason that you know Pastor Greg Pastor Peter Pastor Maddie whoever happens to come up here we're just here to share with you what God's put on our heart you know we don't come up with these things we don't you know it's not for our glory it's for his but I just loved that the Holy Spirit in this moment has put his hand on something. And, and he's healing people. And so many were healed last week. And, and throughout the week watching the video and just, I, I was so blessed by that. You know, God is good to us, hey? How many of you know that God is good? He ministers to us. He meets us wherever we're at. He loves you. He cares for you. He's not afraid to get into whatever mess you found yourself in. He's not afraid to get into any of that stuff and, and come alongside you and lift you up. You know, we have a God who will reach out to us wherever we're at. And the one thing I loved even more than that is that this is such a great church. You know, as people stood up and were like, I, I fall into that category of loneliness and depression, and there was people everywhere. And, and I loved that you as a church went immediately I saw people getting up from the back rows and walking up to the front and laying hands on people, crying with them and praying with them and loving them and, and, and people were inviting others out for lunch and they were getting, you guys really responded to the call that God gave us last week. Both sides. You know, I started and said that, you know what, those of you who are feeling lonely, God wants to meet with you and heal you. But I also said for those that aren't, God has a challenge for you and that's that you're the answer to the loneliness, right? And, and I just love church. You guys are amazing not just in the room, but online too. There were so many people who responded online as well and just so proud of you and how you responded to God. Listen, no secret society, we are lacking intimacy. How do you be intimate with someone nowadays? How do you really share intimacy with other people? You know, we're so hungry for closeness that actually comes from being in relationships. We're so hungry for that. And yet we're surrounded by people and we don't have it. It's unbelievable. We don't know how to properly be in relationship anymore. So in the whole topic of being better together, I actually felt God say, you have to look at your own life first. 
You actually have to look at yourself and, and ask some pretty honest, hard questions, some real questions about what kind of a friend are you really? Like, what do you bring to the equation? What do you bring to the table? So, you know, it's a question that God's been asking me, and, and you know, I didn't have a lot of great answers to that question. And so let's, let's dive right into it anyway. Holy Spirit, I pray, God, that you would minister so powerfully to your people this morning. God, there are people who need some answers today. God, there are people who need some direction and some wisdom. There are those who still need love, who still need to know that they are people that they can walk with and, and grow with and be together with, Lord. And so, Holy Spirit, today, I ask that you do what only you can do and minister to the hearts of your people. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. You know, there's different reasons that we get to the places that we get to in our relationships, right? You know, the truth is, if we were really honest, there's people who've been hurt by others. And I'm talking not just like, you know, a little tiny offense or whatever. I'm talking about some of you have been really hurt, and that causes you, that one hurt that you've walked in has caused you problems in every relationship moving forward, Right? And until you allow God to, to minister to that hurt in your heart, it's going to be really hard to be real and to be open and to trust in other relationships. And so there are people in this room today that God is speaking to you and saying, hey, I want to heal that hurt in your heart. And he's not, you know, minimalizing it or pushing it to the side, but what he's really saying is that you've gone through something and I see it. And if you don't deal with this, it's going to actually affect everything. You know, it's one of the things when, when I came back to Mournville, I got invited back and John asked me to come and drive truck with him and, and I was so thankful and still to this day so thankful for that opportunity to come back because God knew that I needed to get into a place where my heart could be healed. I, I'd gone through some hurt in my life and I remember showing up in this place and I was treating the people on the staff and others around me in this church as though they, they were the people that hurt me. And they'd done nothing wrong or done nothing to me that had ever caused me, but I actually was still walking in the hurt of, of brokenness from the, the past. You understand what I'm saying? And, and so what was hard is that I was taking my issues out and my problems out on everyone around me, and, and it affected those relationships. You understand what I'm saying? So God had to get into my heart and heal my heart before I could properly walk in proper relationships again. You understand what I'm saying? Sometimes God just wants to move and create something in your own heart, your own life, so that you can walk in, in healing and fullness again. You know, there's, the reality is that there's some people that are just a little socially awkward for whatever reason, you know? And they just have a little bit of social awkwardness. And if you fall into that boat, you're not alone. You know, I'm going to pick on my wife for a second. My wife was extremely socially awkward when I first met her. Her name's Andrea. Babe, stand up. She doesn't like to show everyone who I'm talking about. Disobedient to me right now. I will suffer for that later. But what? someone said amen. Who said, who said that? Oh, Lord. Okay, when I met Andrea, it took me, and this is not an exaggeration, which I can tend to do sometimes. I, okay, who else is amen and out there? <laughs> when I first met Andrea, it took me months, and I'm not exaggerating, months to get her to say more than two words to me at a time. 
She just did not want to have, and, and, and she wasn't playing hard to get. This was not her, this was not, you know, because I, I was good looking, I know, but um, <laughs> Andrea had suffered real trauma in her life, right? And, and, and those of you who don't know, you need to get to know her and get to know her story. It's so powerful, but Andrea's parents were killed by a drunk driver when she was 11 years old, and it emotionally scarred her, and the trauma of that caused her to, you know, be like this and to get into herself, where she didn't need to be in a relationship with anymore, and she didn't want to because of the hurt of losing, you know, the most valued people in her life. It created her to get to that place where it was like, I'm okay alone, and I can live in this alone, and I, I can be like this. And so when I, when, I, when I show up on the scene, or when God puts me on the scene, and I'm like, this girl is awesome, and she skateboards, and I want to get to know her, and I'm talking to her, and she wouldn't talk to me. But God put a stubborn man in her life that wouldn't give up and just kept going, right? And, and so some of us, the reality is, is in our social awkwardness, and we don't know why different people have this, but, but some people just get extreme anxiety when they walk into a room. And, and they struggle, and who knows what they're going through in their life. We don't know what everyone's going through. I had no idea. Andrea, I didn't know all the things that had caused her to go in. But, but, I, but I just, you know, we need to be a friend that can take some of those socially awkward people and just be patient with them. You know, what has God called you to do? How has he called you to help someone mature so that they can come out of their social awkwardness and that healing? You know, it took God a while to heal her heart. Years even. And, and, and even now, there's still moments when she still struggles with, you know, that, that being vulnerable and being open. And, you know, and there's people that are going through things. The trauma, right? Let God heal your heart that way. There's others, you know, this is real, that are just feeling too old for friendship. You know, this is real, if you go to senior citizen homes or, or places where sadly, you know, see, we, see, we see people just dumped and left. It's, it's terrible. But there are a lot of seniors who they've lost their significant other, they're a widowed or they're a widower, and they're just broken. And they're at that place where it's like, well, it's too late to start making new friends and start a new relationship. And a lot of people enter into that, and I'm just... I want to challenge that. Don't, don't let that be your truth today. God still has people who need you and need to be in relationship with you and walk with you. And, and, and so for those of you who are maybe, or you know people who are in that, you know, don't let them stay there because God has something for them, right? You know, on the other side of that, there's parents. You know, a lot of moms, some dads who are stay-at-home parents and they're feeling so alone, right? It's just everybody, everywhere, like you said, can suffer with this, right? You know, if you feel like something is missing in your life relationship-wise, something is missing. Something's missing. If you feel it, it's real. It's a real feeling, and you need to walk forward to that, okay? So the question is this, and I said we would talk about this this week. What do we do when we're feeling lonely? What's the answer to loneliness? You know, the obvious answer, go and make some new friends, right? Join a club, join a church, you know, get into a new program, that's not the answer, though. How many of you have tried those things? You know, I know people who have joined teams to try to make new friends and realize that no one there really even, they have their friends, they have their group, they have their clique. You can walk into a church like this and it's impossible to break into a clique. It's impossible to break into that group sometimes. And, and you know, it's, it's not really the answer to our loneliness. But this is what I, I think the answer is. And Lord, help us. It's that we need to learn how to develop and deepen our friendships with the people that are around us right now. 
the people who are in our lives right now. And I'm not saying that you can't make some new friends. Obviously, we all could use some new friends, and we could all use some new relationships. We're meant to be always reaching out. But the reality is, is I think our culture, our society at a whole has lost how to go into deeper relationship with people. It's all surface. It's all chit-chat. It's all, you know, how's the weather? How's the this? How's the that? It's one of the things that my personality type really struggles with. I want to go deep with people. I want to, you know, but then I don't want to go deep with people. It's like this weird cycle of who I am. I don't know. Anyway, someone understands me. Thank you. You can find some of the best relationships with some of the most unlikely people. I feel like this is a message for someone today. You can be friends with your mother-in-law. Mother-in-laws, you can be friends with your daughter-in-law. Let me give you an example. Some of you are like, that will never happen. No way. You've never met my mother-in-law, right? Listen to this. How many of y'all heard of Naomi and Ruth from the Bible before? Anybody? Now, Ruth and Naomi have this horrible experience Naomi, her husband, gone, dead. Her sons all die. And so she's stuck with these two daughter-in-laws. They're not her daughters. She's in a country that's not her own. And she's like, you know what, girls? Time to go. Get lost. You know, go find new husbands. You don't need to stay with me. I just need to be alone. Go back to my people. And this one daughter-in-law named Ruth is like, I'm not leaving you. I'm sticking with you. And Naomi tries to get rid of her. She's like, just get out of here. You know, like, go. Be. And Ruth is like, I'm going with you. I'm sticking and I'm going for it with you. And, and I, I really feel today that there's some mother-in-laws that, you know, a relationship to get back into your family, to get back into maybe some brokenness or some hurt is going to start with a mother-in-law and her daughter-in-law. And God, if you pray into it, will show you how to do that, okay? So I just, I really sense that for some reason. You can be friends with your mother-in-law. You can be friends with your daughter-in-law. Moses and Aaron, another example. You can be friends with your brother or your siblings. Moses and Aaron were some great friends in the Bible. Some of you, you look at your brother and your sisters and you're just like, man, when were they ever going to figure it out? God brought them together. God can heal families and make them walk together. David and Jonathan... I love this one. Men, talking to you for a second, you don't know how to be in proper relationship with other men. How many of you know that to be true? A lot of us struggle with how do you be friends with another man because our culture is so mixed up and so crazy. David and Jonathan are an amazing example of two guys, two guys guys who knew how to share their feelings. You need to read about it. And some of you guys are uncomfortable with me even just saying this right now, right? They would cry together. Remember Steve Windsor when you cried with me that one time? And I held him. He tried to get a deer and he missed. And I said, it's okay. That's a lie. I did, that never happened, actually. <laughs> Steve doesn't miss, so. <laughs> but guys, we don't know how to be friends with other guys. You know, this is, I, I think, a little bit more true than my generation, but the generation before me, you will hear constantly, I didn't know how to have a relationship with my father. 
My dad never loved me, never hugged me, never talked to me, never, you know, dads, your sons, they need hugs, man. They need you to go out with them and, and love them and let them cry with them and, and take them out to that private place where they can just, you know, it's real. Guys need to be guys. John, from the New Testament, laid his head on Jesus' bosom. That, that's crazy, Right? Evan, do you remember when you laid your head on my bosom that one time? <laughs> it was a weekly basis. You hear what I'm saying, right? There, there's a relation, you know, our, our, our culture, we, we get it so crazy. These are plutonic relationships, but there was a love that was so deep amongst men, among, amongst these two men and how they prayed for, how they loved each other, how they cared for each other, how they, you know, would inform each other when trouble was coming. You know, guys, we need to enter into relationship again with each other. And, you know, one of the craziest statistics of loneliness is that actually men are the ones feeling the most alone because no one's taught us how to be in relationship with other men, with other people. We don't know how to be in relationship with our dads and, and so forth. So, you know what, in this room today, if you happen to listen to this, be a guy who is going to break that that cycle and learn how to be in relationship with other men and, and go, you know, we have Elijah and Elisha and we talked a little bit about that last week, but the mentor and, and the prodigy sort of relationship that comes up. You know, some of the best relationships you can get in are, are people that maybe you, you were put into relationship with and you're meant to just pour into them and meant to share your life with them and suddenly you become your best friends, right? I, I think of Skylar and you guys maybe don't know Skylar. I love Skylar like a little brother. And our relationship started with me making fun of him a lot and just, like, I, I'm, he started off as a youth leader, and he came as a youth, and I made him a youth leader, and now my heart is so knit with that kid, I, I love him. I love him, and, and I pour into him, and he's more than just this mentor-mentoree relationship. He, he's my buddy. He's my friend, and I can talk to him and ask him to pray for me, and and on and on and on. And so we can get into those relationships. You have Jesus and the disciples. Jesus chose these people to be around him. And in case you don't know, they weren't the brightest people. You know, there's scriptures, and I love, I talk about this all the time. Jesus talking to his disciples was like, are you guys still so dull? Yeah. Right? And, and just like, basically, are you stupid? Are you guys stupid right now? But these are the people that he chose to be in relationship and friendship with. These weren't the brightest people. Some of them, they were all right. They were, you know, cool. But he picked these people to be in a relationship with them. And I love that even in that relationship, you could see that Jesus had people that were closer to him than others. You know, I think sometimes we think that everyone needs to be so close and so tight with us, but we miss the point that we're called sometimes to be in deep in, you know, different levels of relationship with people. Right? Jesus had John laying on his bosom. He'd bring Peter, James, and John with him when he did special things. And then he had the 12, and then he had like the 70. Right? You know, you can have different levels. It's okay to have different levels of friendship. Not everyone is meant to go fully deep with you, and you're not meant to go fully deep with everyone else, too. Whew. Well, you may not get to choose what you go through in life. You do get to choose, for the most part, who you get to do life with. Right? I think that that is such an amazing quote that I heard, and I, and I just love that. Every single one of the relationships that I just shared with you, they all went through hard times. There's not one of those relationships that had it just super easy and everything was, we're best friends, we're best, you know, they went through some hard times. Naomi and Ruth, I mean, Ruth lost her husband, Naomi lost her son. 
That's, that's not easy to walk through stuff like that. Moses and Aaron, they had crazy stuff going on in there. You, you can read all about it. It's all throughout the Old Testament. David and Jonathan, Jonathan's dad was trying to kill David. Right? Like, it was just unbelievable. They actually had a moment where they shared, they cried together, they, they shared how much they love each other, and then David left, and they never actually got to talk again. It's just, it's crazy. Anyway, relationships were meant to go through hard times together. We're meant to do it together, not alone. We're better together when we're walking in friendships. So how do we deepen and strengthen the relationships that are, we're, we're walking in, and how do we get around and this is what the Lord led me to, is great friendships actually start with you. Proverbs 20, verse 6 says this, Many will say they are loyal friends, but who can find one who is truly reliable? you got lots of people who say, I'm with you, I'm with you, I'm with you, I'm for you, I'm going to go through this situation with you. You know, it's interesting to see where are they when times actually get tough. And so I kind of, God sort of led me to flip this scripture on myself. Matt, are you a loyal friend? Can you do this? You know, you might think you're a great friend, but are you? Listen to how the message translation puts it. Lots of people claim to be loyal and loving, but where on earth can you find one? I think we need to be honest with ourselves. What kind of a friend are you? You know, I, I teased Evan earlier, but I'll tell you one thing I've noticed about Evan's life, walking in relationship with him, He's loyal to his friends, man. And, and doesn't matter what they're going through or where they're at in their life, he walks with them. And he, he might be one of those people that you need to become friends with Evan. And he's a good plumber too, so. Well, he's an okay plumber. I lied there a little bit. Picking on him. Anyway, we all have room to improve in the area of friendship. Are you the kind of friend who's always comparing your life to those around you? We do it. Why is God doing that in their life and not in mine? Why is this happening? Why is that happening? Right? Do you, uh, do you need to have a better story when you get in the room? You know, when someone tells you and just sharing their accomplishments, what their kids did, and you have to share what your kid did that was way better than what their kid did, right? Well, you're, oh, your kid got 80% on the test? My kid got 95. Oh, walking with medallions around there now. Right? Just be a friend sometimes. <laughs> and maybe it's not even in that side. Maybe it's the opposite. Maybe it's like, Oh man, I went through this really hard time. You think that was hard, right? I was in labor for two days. Betty's always doing that to my wife, right? She's <laughs> like, oh, I had a hard. You don't know what hard is. Look at Michaela, 14 days in labor, right? Like, Betty, I'm not looking for you to compare. I just doesn't compare. I'm just teasing Betty. She's not like that. But. You get the point. We all have a story greater than the next person. And it's like, sometimes that person doesn't need to know how bad you've had it. They just need you to love them in that moment. Yeah. And just, you know, and I know we all try to just, sometimes we share our story out of the, the place of, if I share my story, maybe they'll have something to relate to. Yeah, you know, be led by the Spirit in that. That's all I'm saying there, okay? You know, are you the friend that's constantly complaining? Or are you taking advantage of your friends that way? Right? We can get negative. Our culture is a negative culture right now. It is what we are built on. We are trained this way. The news has shifted so that everything they tell us is negative. So then when we go to talk with our little chit-chats with everybody, what do we have to talk about? <laughs> Nothing but negative stuff. 
Did you hear about all these people dead? Did you hear about this thing that's going on? Did you hear about the toxic waste? Did you hear about blah, 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 blah? We have nothing positive to build our relationships on. Even the weather, let's be real in Alberta. I'm not going to say it because I'm a positive man. It's always nice here, Jeff. You are delusional, but... snowed in September my goodness okay the one thing that you are in charge of is the kind of friend that you are you actually have a say in the kind of friend that you can be you may not have a say in how your friends treat you back but you definitely have a say in how you treat your friends and and you know the best thing you can do is treat your friends the way you want to be treated right And, and even more so treat your friends the way that you think they want to be treated Right? Go out of your way. Get out there and, and, and do that. I've heard this, I've heard this um, a social scientist said this, uh, this lady studies, and, and her name was Shasta. I can't remember her last name. But she said that for every five negative things that you say to another person, or in a friendship, in a relationship, or sorry, for every one negative thing, you have to then in turn have five positive interactions with people. That same person, for every one. You know, and she was saying that, you know, it's not that you can't cry or share your frustrations or do that kind of stuff, but so many relationships and so many friendships are just built on that now. It's just all negative all the time. And and it just doesn't work. It's not how we were created to live. It's not how we were created uh, to walk with each other and and in relationship. Pastor once said to me, Matt, if you want to have friends, you need to learn how to be a friend. Anybody ever, anyone else ever heard that? Just, just real quick. We need to learn how to be friends. I took that scripture to heart, and, and this is the scripture that has really helped me on my journey. It's Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47. And I want to just set this up, because this is the purest form of the church meeting together. Jesus, you know, has been crucified and resurrected, and, and this is really the purest time with the least amount of, of all the other garbage that comes along with our society. This was the purest form of the church, and I love this. Acts 42, or verse 2, verse 42 says this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Seems like a pretty simple list. To get together with your friends, fellow believers, listen to the apostles' teaching, have fellowship, have the breaking of bread into prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You know, first it's important to look at your own life, but secondly, who are the people that you're actually surrounding yourself with? Who are the people that you're actually walking with? You know, I think it's important that we build our friendships around the right things and the right people, right? There's lots of people hanging out. There's lots of people that get together, but their lives are empty because there's no, there, there's no core, there's no center, there's no glue holding it all together. It's just people gathering around and, you know, there's a song on the radio right now that's being played. I, I think it's such an interesting song. 
and I don't even remember the, how it sounds, but just the thought the one guy said, he said, you know, won't you help me sober up is, is one of the main lines. And basically what he's saying is our society now, you know, we used to get together and have fun, but now we can't get together without getting drunk every time. Right? And that's basically what he's saying about our society right now is that our relationships are built around sinking sand. It's around things that aren't going to build us up, aren't going to encourage us, aren't going to, it might be fun in the moment, but our whole society is building itself around things that won't fulfill us. These relationships don't take us anywhere, and I just think that that's interesting, something to look at. For a life of faith, we must build our friendships on the right things. You know, surround yourself not necessarily with like-minded people. Not everyone has to think the same in your group, right? But surround yourself with people who are at least following God and have God at the core and the center of their lives. It's interesting when we can sit in our friend groups and our friend circles and talk and all have different perspectives and different thoughts about the kingdom, you know, and we're allowed to have that, but when God is the center, everybody learns and everybody gets from that. Get around people like that. Find some people like that. People who are growing in their relationship with God. When you're together with people you trust, you know, there's this collective courage and boldness that is formed. I watched, you know, we went away as a discipleship school this last uh, Monday and Tuesday. We were away at Nakamit, and, and one of the things God really put on my heart is it's not all just about knowledge and learning, you know, as we teach these kids. It was like, and I keep calling them kids, as these young men and women, but when we get together with these young men and women, it's about just doing life together. And so at one point, we just went outside, and we were playing this game called Gaga Ball, I think. It's called Gaga Ball. Maybe some of you know it, but you use your hands, you try to get people out of a circle. It's kind of like chicken fighting, but... It, it's a weird game. But anyway, it was a lot of fun. But as just the 10 of us, the 11 of us, were outside playing and having fun, and you know, we were just doing life together, suddenly this school came up, and they were like watching us, and, and we were just having fun, and Sam had Christian tunes blasting, and... And this, this school came up, and these kids were just like, hey, can we play? And they all jumped into the circle, and suddenly there was like 800 of us in this little circle. <laughs> and we're trying to like play, and the kids are cheating, and you know, but it was a moment of just because of our lives being built together and doing life together, God moved, and we got to witness to all of these kids and share the gospel with them. And, and not just, it was like our lives were the thing sharing the gospel in that moment, though. You know, they wanted to be a part of it. They wanted to have fun. So, something to think about. You know, believe it or not, the people you're hanging around with right now have an impact on your life. It can be good, and it can be bad. Some of you need to look at your, your support systems, your groups of friends, and ask yourself, is this actually the group that God has called me to be with? And pray about it. Don't just say no and, and leave and walk out, because sometimes God has called you to minister to those, but... I find a lot of our relationships, a lot of our groups that we're in, we tend to pour a lot out, but we don't have people also pouring back into us. It's one of the biggest problems of our culture today is that you know, people, everyone wants to be seen and heard and loved, but no one wants to do that for the person sitting across from them. It's like we just want to share, we just want to tell, we want you to know what's going on in our lives, but when it's time for the other person to share, that's where it stops. We have, a, we have a generation of immature people who don't know how to be in relationship, and it's just all about me, 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 me. 
And, and that has to change. We can't be like that, right? It's up to you to set the boundaries on what friendships look like, the people that you walk with. What do you do when you're with your friends? An honest question. I had to ask this. You know, are you praying for one another? Is God even a topic? Right? This church, Acts chapter 2, these were people that were getting together, and God was the focus. God was it. And they were in awe, and they ate together, and they loved, and they prayed, and, and God just kept adding more friendships to the circle, and there was fulfillment, and people's needs were being met. I, I, just, I just think that that is so critical and so important, that in your friend circles, you have to have a focus, and it has to be God. We're only better together if God is the one that we're rallying around. You understand what I'm saying? You can have a whole bunch of friends, a whole group, of, but if there is no rallying around the, the thing that God is the center, then really it's just, I don't know, what is it? You, you put, your, you put your, your name on it, okay? Being together. You notice the emphasis in that scripture, being together all the time. They got together every day in the courts. They got together later at homes and ate and broke bread together, took the Lord's communion together. They did this all the time. Why do they do this all the time? Why do they get together nonstop? Like, who has time to get together nonstop with their friends? And I don't, I don't, because, you know, Monday nights we're at piano lessons, Tuesday we're at skating lessons, Wednesday I'm at discipleship school, Thursday night maybe we could get together with some friends, Friday night we're going over to youth. Then, you know, it's just like, when do you have time outside of your family to get together with people all the time. Why did they make this a priority? It's, it's an honest question that I think we need to answer. You know, time together, when you spend time together, let me, let me ask you this. You ever met somebody and your first impression is, man, what a loser. No one raised their hands, right? You're just like, oh man, I do not want to spend any more time with that person right? But then as you're forced to be around them, you know, sometimes it's at a job, sometimes it's at your school, whatever it happens to be, you actually, as you are forced to spend time together and get to know them, they actually wear on you. Anyone ever been in a relationship like that before? And suddenly the person that was so annoying, so, you know, opposite of you is suddenly your best friend? I've seen that happen. I've, I've had that happen with a Christian, you know, and I wasn't a Christian, and she was, and she wore me down, man, and suddenly I was protecting her, and I was her friend, and I cared for her, and it was, but I hated her when I first met her. It was weird. Time together. You know, you put kids in school, they have to make friends because they're with each other nonstop every day. You know, as adults, we get to choose whether we're going to go and be with people or not, and most of the time, we choose not to. Because it's easier to be at home, it's more comfortable to just be in this situation and not have to grow, not have to get in any awkward conversations, and, and again, for our own reasons, we all find ourselves there. You've got to spend time together. You can be as positive as you want to build your friendship, encourage people, lift one another up, you know, but, and I missed that, that scripture, but, you know, First Thessalonians tells us you know, encourage one another. Build each other up. You could do that all you want, but if you don't spend any time together, you're never going to grow as a friend. Trust is built when you spend time together. You learn how someone's going to react to a situation. You learn how people respond. 
We actually have to be in relationship with each other. I think some people in this room, you need to make a more focused effort at being friends with your friends and getting out with them and, and maybe putting aside some other things and, and growing in a relationship, you know. I had to remove a bunch of stuff from my phone because I spent my extra time doing that instead of being with people who actually needed to be in a relationship with. And so I got rid of some stuff from my life. I, I analyzed and I looked at it and was like, I might not be as busy as I think I am. I just have all this stuff wasting my time. So here's how I got into better friendships, right? Listen to what the writer of Hebrew tells us. In Hebrews 10, verse 24 to 25, it says, Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. When something is going wrong in our lives, the worst thing we can do is cut ourselves off from the relationships that we're in, from the church that we go to. And I know what it's like to do that. You know, to, to remove yourself from the people who are actually meant to help you. And I shared a bit about that last week, just the, you know, one of the things that I do, and, and I talked about it, was that I, I cut myself off. And I remove myself from the situation. And, and it's not good. It's what the enemy has for us. You know, we have so many people that get hurt by church or people in church and remove themselves from the equation and stop growing. And God wants to actually heal that, I think, in some people's hearts today. I really believe that. I, I believe this, and, and, and the Holy Spirit had me write that. There are people that are struggling with relationships and hurts because of people in church. And God wants you to know that he sees it and he wants to make it right. And the revelation for you today is this, is that that person that hurt you may not ever apologize to you, but it's enough for you to be able to take it to God and know that he sees it and he wants to heal it. Amen? You, you can't separate yourself from the, from the very design that God created for you to walk in relationship. You know, but it's what the enemy desires because if he can get you out and put you off alone, away from the people that care about you, that love you, that will lift you up, then he, his job is done and you're separated and you are alone. And what, getting out of that, it, it's not going to be easy. You understand? You have a vital part to play in the church and you can't walk in that brokenness anymore. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's hard to make friendships if we can't find time to spend together. Don't separate yourself from God's people, the gathering of the saints. So crucial that we get together at church every Sunday. You know, I, I watch a lot of lives after every summer, they're gone all summer, and their lives are shattered, and they're like, what happened? Well, you removed yourself from the vital relationships that you need to be in, and then you're like restarting all over again. You know, we, we don't understand the importance of being together of being with each other. We need to break that cycle, okay? You know, I had to do this a couple weeks ago, and I, I had to apologize to some friends for cutting myself off, and, and uh, it was really humbling. And it sucked a lot, actually, I'm not going to lie, to recognize that I had hurt my friends because of my own brokenness. And God had, had kind of spoke to me and shown me, like Matt, they were meant to be part of 
you not feeling the way that you feel and you cut them off because of your own, you know, and, and so I had to ask for their forgiveness and, and, and apologize. And, and the part of me is, was like, I kind of just want to go in and say I'm sorry and then we'll just be friends again. And, and they were really grace, you know, gracious with me and, and were just like, we just were worried about you. But they kept asking questions and kept asking questions and what I was hoping would be like a three minute, I'm sorry, turned into a long time. And, and, but God ministered to my heart in that moment and was like, Matt, you know, you can't do these things. You can't isolate. You can't, and we can't do that either. We have to be real with people. We have to be honest. We have to have these honest conversations that being together force. When you're not doing well and you come into the church, people notice, and they ask you how you're doing. Be real with them. Let them pray with you. Let them, let them go through what's going on. You know, and that leads just into the last point of vulnerability. You know, we have to share and reveal ourselves to others. We talked about that a lot last week, but, you know, not sharing our fears, fears and struggles, but also sharing our dreams and successes. You know, it took a lot for those people to say, hey, I'm in need in Acts. I'm in need. But what they didn't care about was what everyone thought, because they knew that the people they surrounded themselves with loved them and cared for them and would do whatever it took to get them on the right track, Right? Lord, I just want to thank you for this amazing church. I want to thank you just for the way you touched and talked about, you know, isolation and loneliness and depression and also just our need to be in relationship with each other and how to do it. And the reality is, Lord, we could talk about this for weeks and months even. And God, there, there would be so much to learn and so much for us to grow in. But I just pray as we've just touched on this for a moment that God, lives would be changed and people would find hope. And people would find that place to walk into a deeper relationship with others. God, you are so good and you love this church so much. You love everyone in it. And my heart today is that we would look at each other, we would look at ourselves and say, God, am I being a good friend? Is there somewhere you want me to grow? Is there something I need to do in order to just become the friend that I'm looking for in other people? God, help us to be vulnerable. Help us to spend time together. God, help us to pray and encourage one another. You're so good. You're so kind to us, Lord. I just want to thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. And I just believe that loneliness is going to become less and less of an issue in this church and in the people around us because of what you are speaking to us these last two weeks. So God, we just give you the glory for that. In Jesus' name, amen.